Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 458. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, I have a special interview for you. We're going to be talking about fintech, and apps and all different kinds of technology that's going on in the financial world with my friend Joe Solcihai. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. I'm so excited to have my friend Joe Solcihai with us today. How are you doing, Joe? Hey, how are you, Linda? I'm doing great. Well, you are well known as one of my co-hosts of the Money Tree Investing podcast, but also the enormously popular Stacking Benjamins podcast. So I'm thrilled to have you whenever you want to come. And I have in the past specifically had people request just you as my guest. So welcome. Talking about no way. <laughs> like if we could have Joe ruin the show, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so and you always make me laugh. So um, you know, I smile a lot. My cheeks always hurt when we when we talk together. So it's great to have you. So today we wanted to talk about financial apps and the gamification of money and finance and trying to make things simple for people. There's a lot going out just this week or there's a lot in the news, I should say. Uh, this, just this week, JP Morgan came out with a free trading app, and there's lots of other financial apps. What do you think about this trend toward you know, no fee, low fee, and all the apps on your phone that have to do with financial matters? I think the apps themselves are exciting. I think this whole idea of fintech companies, whether they're in Silicon Valley or Kansas City or wherever they might be, uh, out on the leading edge doing the innovation that banks aren't doing has kind of, I believe, led banks to these apps kicking and screaming, going, okay, well, we're going to have to compete. And and so that's exciting because a lot of this innovation, when you see the app, you go, well, duh, this should have been something a long time ago. Like some of the awesome budgeting apps out there, the ones that'll find out your subscriptions or ones, and we could talk about this more, that kind of turn finance into a game. I think these are neat. Now, on the other side, though, what you're talking about with the JP Morgan news, there's also that news at Fidelity, right, with zero fee index funds now. And then you've got uh, uh, Robinhood where you can trade stocks and not pay any fee at all. I think in some ways it's good because it brings people to the table that haven't yet been to the table because, hey, if there's no fee to trade, and I've always heard that fees are bad, or if I can only trade three or four shares at a time to get my feet wet, or maybe that's all I want to trade, uh, it allows people that might have been shut out of the market to actually try it out. The bad news is, and Linda, with your experience in the market, you know this too, the best thing to do most of the time is nothing. And when there's no barrier, there's no fee to think about to get out of a position, you might sell it too soon. And I remember a recent Charles Schwab study that showed people will sell an investment and they'll go buy another one. And the one they buy performs far worse than the one that they sold. Like if they just held on to the thing they had before, they would have been better off. So so in in, in that way, I don't like the low fee. Sometimes I think the fees make us think 
twice before we pull the trigger. Yeah. And the other thing is maybe I'm just really skeptical. Maybe I'm jaded. I don't know, but I don't think that it's going to be totally free. I don't think that you know, there's not going to be money made somewhere on this, right? Is it slippage in when they buy the shares? No, Linda, they lose money on every deal and they make it up on volume. Yeah, right. (laughs) So yeah, so I'm very skeptical about this whole thing. And I know there's money being made somewhere. I'm just not sure what exactly this new business model looks like. But I know that Oftentimes, you know, companies talk about no fee or no load, and there certainly are expenses and costs and and other things that well, well, play. What well, do you think? Well, sometimes it truly is no cost. I I was lucky to talk to the Fidelity people just after they unloaded the news that they were going to have two completely fee free funds, and I asked them point blank. I said, "How do you make money?" And the vice president who was talking to me said, "We don't make money on this." But, and this is, this, this is the gotcha here, Linda, you can only buy it at fidelity.com. You can't buy it like you can buy a fidelity fund on many different platforms. You can't buy these. Got to go to fidelity.com. And guess what you might do when you're there? You might pick up the fidelity rewards credit card. You might buy other funds that are fidelity funds that do charge fees. You might get fidelity insurance. You might get fidelity. So fidelity 529 plan, fidelity is all these other services and they're using it. And they were very transparent about this. They're using it as a lost leader to get you in the front door into their ecosystem so they can sell you a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Can I just tell you that that did not work for Macy's? <laughs> Macy's Online was doing the same thing. They would have lower prices on Macy's.com. They would have much lower prices than in the store. And so they were driving everyone to the website. People went to the website and bought and got good deals. And guess what? Now they're closing a lot of Macy's stores. Didn't go to the so, store. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, and and we all know working with people in the financial industry is a really good thing to do. I think Fidelity's strength is that they have offices of people. And maybe I shouldn't be mentioning them by name, but I just think that, you know, when you when you're face to face with someone, they can ask you questions, they can gather more assets, they can bring in assets from other companies that you might not have brought over. They can uncover mistakes that you're making. They can you know, do a lot of things to gather more assets than you just going online to something. So I think driving people to a free service might not be the best business model for financial institutions, but maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe they have a study that tells them something different. No, I think there's something to that. But I also think, you know, my gut says there's a big difference between financial services companies and retail companies. The the race away from the mall has been happening for a long time. And this was Macy's accidentally giving people the final kick in the pants to say, listen, you don't even need to come into the store. Where you look at, by the way, Nordstrom doing something completely the opposite, right? Nordstrom is creating these. I saw literally this morning, I saw uh, this story talking about how Nordstrom has these strategic brands where you can now go into a Nordstrom store and, and see these brands that you're shopping for online. So, hey, you can just go buy it online, but you can see these other stuff. And I think if Fidelity does this right, and if some of these brands, if JP Morgan does this right, if uh, Robinhood is even doing this right, they're they're starting off with a little business and using this as a way to uh, get you get you in the ecosystem even more. But you, but I think you're totally right. 
I believe that these last two pieces of news, the JP Morgan news and the Fidelity news, uh, kind of set some shockwaves through the through the financial industry. And even though I read a piece about Vanguard saying, hey, we're not changing a thing, you got to imagine, Linda, in the Vanguard offices, more shots being fired across their bow than ever. I think I'm still going, okay, what's our next move, guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember back when the internet started, one of the first things to go were travel agencies. And people, instead of calling their agent, were going online and booking their travel themselves. And that, I still miss those days, though. Yeah, I, I mean, there, I fought that for a long time because I loved my travel agent and she could, you know, I could be doing three other things. I'd be driving in the car, you know, working on something and then she's, work, you know, she's doing my travel stuff. And so it was a great time saver to have her. But also, you know, when I did get used to booking my own travel, it, it was a convenience. But that was because I had my calendar right there and I, I could do everything. But the thing is, you know, this artificial intelligence is the big thing about the future. And it's all about robotics and having them think smarter and, and do things for us. And I think there's a certain need for that. But I also think there's got to come a point where people are going to crave wanting to deal with a human again. And actually, in my Wealtherist book, I talked about the new model for banking, which I thought would make sense if people came into a bank and were assigned a loan officer, you know, a car loan person, a savings account person, an investment person, and they had their own team. And they were assigned that just the average everyday person. Today, that happens at a very high level with the wealthy people. But I think just the everyday person knowing who they could call and ask a question of or who they could have help them, I think there's got to be some market for that in the future. What do you think? I do think. I think people crave community. And I think that, that it's funny as much as uh, platforms like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn in a, in a different arena. Um, uh, you, you can even see with Instagram, right? As people move toward Instagram and to some degree away from Twitter and Facebook, people are craving pictures over diatribes. And I think it's because we want this community. We want this good feeling. We want this connection that, that is impossible to get when you're just reading what somebody says about themselves. Um, and, and, and nothing beats that, 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 that human interaction, which is, uh, which is why I think that if you're creating a new community, and this is the problem that apps are having right now, Linda, to, to your point too, is that there's so many new fintech apps coming out and they're all pretty exciting. But the question is, how do we get somebody to use it and not use it just once, but use it to create a community? And I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example, Slack, right? Well, I think Slack succeeds, not just because it puts all these different things together, all these different communities together. Uh, Slack, for people that don't know it, it's a communication device, much like an instant messenger, except you can have all of your team messages in one place. I think Slack doesn't work for that. I think Slack is able to create this one unified platform where we can have interesting discussion, share files, share more about our life, but be in remote places together. So I think Slack succeeds because it helps create community where a lot of these apps might get some traction at first because they're a good idea, but because they're isolating, uh, they ultimately fail. I agree with you. And I, I like Slack as well. And your point about Instagram is perfect because influencer marketing is huge and people really don't understand, I think, 
especially corporations don't understand the transition that's happening right now to influencer branding and marketing. And a great example of this is, did you hear about the guy that had a Tesla YouTube channel and he sold over $10 million worth of Teslas? Oh my God. And he did it because he was just like marking, you know, how much money he saved. His wife kind of chided him into tracking how much money you're saving if if you get a Tesla. And so he started like documenting it and creating videos and created this whole community and then, uh, you know, got in contact with Tesla and they gave him a link. And so he, he could then have them buy through his link. And then the dealers kind of got a little bit mad and said, hey, you can't just give out the savings link to everybody. They have to be a friend. So then he created a way that they could opt into something and share information and he would share information and then they became friends and then they got his affiliate link. (laughs) So he sold $10 million worth of Teslas and Tesla gave him a free Tesla. Just as an aside, I get angry when brands do that because come on, you're selling more product. And if you're selling it at a profit, maybe they're not selling it at a profit, but if you're selling it at a profit, why do you get angry? I, I would see exactly. They don't understand this is the new model. Well, and you and I saw companies do this, right? They'd have a salesperson. Salesperson is uber successful at selling their stuff. The managers get angry that the salesperson sell it, making more money than they are. So they change the sales approach and they change, change the compensation structure to bring them more in line. And then everybody loses just because of, I don't know, jealousy. Why? why? Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, the salespeople can't make more than the manager. Is, has been a problem in the past. But but this whole thing with influencer marketing and Instagram and all of that, I agree with you that it's there's something there. And I think these big financial corporations aren't seeing that. Uh, I mean, they're, they're getting involved with some influencers and I see it in different communities, different ethnicities, things like that, that they're really focusing on. But I think the education piece that has been so lacking in the financial industry. I mean, we've relied on the financial advisor to educate us, but they're not always able to do that. I mean, they have limited time and that's not really their job. Their job is to pick investments for you and you know diversify your assets and gather assets. And so this piece of education has really been missing. And that's where, that's what I'm excited about. It's something that I think is going to grow and become more important in the future. What do you think? I, I do think so, as long as we find a way to make it more community-based, we make it acceptable. The hard thing for these financial firms, to your point on Instagram as an example, is how do you put money into, into photos? Um, and we've struggled with that ourselves at Stacking Benjamins, like our team. How, how do we put this into a photo stream, What we're, you know, the, whatever this concept is, and um, and I think as we see more brands start to pick the lock, I'm thinking of there's, there's a great brand, a black market exchange does a, does a fantastic job of, of putting into pictures, a lot of these financial concepts that I absolutely love. And they also make it kind of fun. I think the more that we take away the stigmatism of the fact that learning about money is hard, and you and I know it isn't, you just follow the breadcrumbs to the piece that you're interested in, no matter how dorky or how silly you think it is. And then that breadcrumb leads to another breadcrumb. And next thing you know, you're knee deep in talking about standard deviation and, and alpha and all these other wild 
wild concepts that most people don't know. Uh, it all starts with, wow, I wonder how General Electric works or why this company's struggling now. Or, man, I wonder, I wonder how, the, to, you know, you talked about Tesla earlier, like the Tesla stock and Elon Musk. Why, why Elon Musk tweeting about this stuff? Why is that important to the stock? Why are people talking about that in the stock? Like you start from wherever those breadcrumbs start for you. And then I think the education grows more organically. And that's why really, I, I mean, just to talk a little bit about our, our brand stacking Benjamins, I wanted to, I know, I know quite a bit about money. Um, I don't know everything, but I also know that I don't like to be preached to. And so we specifically created our brand to be very light and to make sure that it's based on this science of play. Like, don't tell anybody that we're actually trying to teach you something because that'll ruin our street cred. Cause we say over and over that, listen, if you learn anything, keep it to yourself. But really mm -hmm. that's part of, that's part of the overall game, Linda, right? Is that, mm -hmm. is that if you're just having fun, like you are talking about your favorite sports team, or you are talking about, um, uh, whatever's going on in your community, but now that community is the finance community and you're just embracing kind of financial discussions as fun, like how weird is that? Then you might find some of those breadcrumb trails that will lead you to some of the more complex topics later. Exactly. And I remember being in the financial industry, if you gave a seminar, which I did often, every word was approved by compliance and every word was very specifically chosen. And a lot of those words were jargon. It was and so, oh, to your It point. was so filled of jargon, right? And, and just to jump, jump on and not to interrupt, but I, so my role at American Express, the financial advisors division, then at Ameriprise, one of my roles was to give rubber chicken dinner speeches. And I did it like you about three days a week for uh 12 years um and so and and i i was one of 12 people allowed to speak to the media without having it go through compliance first 99 percent of our workforce had to have every stinking word approved and it's oh my god were those speeches boring linda they were and it, it was almost i felt like do they try to make it like so boring and hard so that you have to hire a financial advisor i think they did i think I that, think was, it, that the was the game right to make it like seem really difficult you can't do this on your own it's just it was crazy to think that and now the with you and i in the podcast you know business i guess it's just really every day we're trying to make things simple, right? Well, yeah. And 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 with your book coming out with a wealthy heiress book, uh, I don't know if you ever had to give, because I did sometimes, which was silly, by the way, me giving this, but the women's seminars that I had to give back in the day were downright insulting to women. Uh, like, you can understand this too, little girl. It was, it mm, was, it was yeah. I, oh my God, I, I had to give a women's seminar twice and I was handed this deck of stuff to say. And, uh, oh my goodness. And then after that, I said, I can't do it anymore. Like the second time I thought I could massage the message to make it palatable. Um, and I still couldn't because I, I got the feeling a bunch of middle-aged men wrote this thing for women so they can get up to speed with, you know, the, the few things that women need to know about finance. It was a bunch of mansplaining, which well, it's kind of funny you say that because I had to give seminars based on a book for women that was written by a man, which was a very popular book, which I actually loved. 
But afterward, a woman came up to me and she said, why didn't you write that book? Oh. And I was like, what? And she said, why didn't a woman write that book? And it it just stayed with me. And that's one of the reasons why I'm coming out with The Wealth Heiress, because it just always stuck with me. Like, yeah, why didn't I write that book? And it was, I had to wait for the right time to think about how I wanted to write the book, what I wanted to say and how to make it different. But anyway, it's it's all about making things simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it is a lot simpler than it sometimes is seeming out there. And I think the takeaway for for your listener here is don't beat yourself up when when something goes over your head when you listen to a financial podcast or you're reading a financial blog or a financial book just grab on to that piece that you like you know grab on hard to that piece that you like and let that lead you to the next piece and the next thing and i think i think that's the ticket i think too often we get down on the fact that uh, i'll turn on cnbc and i only know every third word most of that stuff isn't important at all. Just start with what you're interested in and let that guide you and and you'll know it all soon enough. And Joe, you're so great to bring humor into the financial world. And I know, you know, like you said, the Stacking Benjamins, do they learn something? Do they not learn something? Sometimes that's not always what you're striving for, but you are engaging people and bringing them in. And now I hear you're going on a tour to do more of that. Yeah. What's up with that, Linda? They're letting us out of the basement. But here's the thing. It's at Comedy Central locations. What? Isn't this crazy? I get to say this out loud. We are playing the improv. So the, the idea for this was born when we started having meetups with people around the nation and people thought we were going to do the show. And so I'd show up to just maybe have dinner or drinks or something with people. And they're like, oh, are you going to perform the show? What? No, it's a podcast in a basement. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but your show would be, everybody kept telling us your show would be perfect to be a live show and we can all kind of laugh together. And so we, we put our heads together, OG and I, and said, okay, can we, who's my co-host on the show? Can, can we do this live? And then of course, Linda, we thought of all these jokes that we could do if we were live that we can't do on a podcast because they're visual jokes. Like, oh, you know, yeah, okay. we a bunch of dumb jokes already. And then, you know, we like having, of course, bringing on great people like you and having as many different voices as possible. And we thought if we go to these different cities, we can have local people in because as an example, when I moved to Texarkana, I'm kind of a natural connector. I started connecting people in Texarkana when I lived here for six months. In fact, it was funny. A friend of mine says, my God, Joe, I've lived here my entire life. You lived here six months. You know everybody. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know everybody. I just know that this person can help you with this thing. And this person knows this person. And so, so I thought if we can bring that ability to these places where you might live or be, be, be a part of that community, how great would it be to know that there's a bunch of cool financial stuff going on in your town? So September 25th, we're going to bring it to Orlando. And that's the day before a big financial conference called FinCon. So there'll be a lot of FinConers there. We have an opening act in every city. Uh, We're going to have Chris Browning's Popcorn Finance, which is a 15-minute show that's going to go before ours. And and are you familiar with Popcorn Finance, Linda? No, I'm not. So Chris's idea for a show was, I want to have a show that is over by the time you're done popping the popcorn. (laughs) Love that. 
and it's fantastic. So, and Chris has that voice where if I had his voice, I'd burn mine. I'd just throw my voice away. I, I hear Chris do his podcast and I think, oh my goodness, I want some of that. So, uh, but Chris is going to be there. Michelle Schroeder Gardner is our main guest. Uh, uh, Chris Costello uh, from Bloom is going to be with us all three shows. He's hilarious. And by the way, speaking of fintech, he, Bloom's a big fintech company. TIAA in all three cities is going to have, they're a nonprofit money management company. Really cool. They were created by Andrew Carnegie, who uh, just wanted to make sure teachers weren't going to be destitute 100 years ago. Now they're 100 years old, and they're going to have somebody from a nonprofit in each one of these cities talking about some of the cool difference makers in each of the cities. They're not going to talk about them. We're not going to talk about TIA. We're going to talk about these cool people doing big stuff in Orlando on the 25th. And then on October 9th, um, we're going to be in Kansas City. Cool thing happening in Kansas City uh, Linda, and I'm going on and on. So feel, feel free to stop me because no, this is great. Well, as you can tell, I get really excited about this. We talked about FinCon or FinTech and gamifying stuff. They're having a FinTech festival when we're doing our stuff there on the ninth, we're doing our show. And f- this, this company that is a FinTech accelerator, NBKC bank is going to bring five of these FinTech ideas. And if you come to the show, you'll be able to see where these guys are at, these men and women who are just brilliant on bringing fintech into your phone. And you'll get to see these apps before they even reach the market. So that'll be cool. Plus- That's almost almost like a little shark tank. I know. Isn't that neat? Like you get the preview on this stuff. Oh, but that's not all. But wait, there's more. Are you sitting down? (laughs) I am. In in each city, we have a band. Uh, We have a bunch of FinConners in our band, a bunch of financial bloggers and podcasters. Miranda Marquette, who you and I are co-hosts with, is going to be our tambourine player in Orlando, along with Harlan Landis, who runs the Plutus Awards, and Andrew Wang, who is from Inspired Money Podcast, a good podcast. And then in in, uh, Kansas City, though, Tracy Phobes is a penny pinching mama and she has this big money saving site and she's going to be on the show, but her 11 year old son, Linda is a guitar savant and he's going to be our tonight show band in Kansas city. <laughs> That's so cool. 11 year old kid. Then when we go to Detroit, my favorite storyteller, Shannon Kason, his one of his best stories is this story where he managed a bank inside of a grocery store, you know, those little bank branches And nobody knew this, but he had a gambling addiction. And he tells this wonderful story about this pallet of money that he was supposed to be loading into the ATM. And he decided if he borrowed the money for a couple hours and took it down to Motor City Casino, he could turn it into more. No. Yes. And we all know how that turned out. You can Google that story and hear the rest of that. (laughs) I won't spoil it because you'll see how great Shannon is at telling that story. But um, he's going to tell a different story made specifically for our show there. And we're going to have the Debrief podcast, which is about arts entertainment in Detroit, opening for us there. We'll have in uh, in Detroit, we'll have Kat Alford from katalford.com. She's a, she's a great family finance blogger. And Andy Hill from the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast will be there. The, the lineup's expanding every day. So it's going to well, be that- Going to be a fun awesome. Time. So Detroit, Kansas City, and Orlando. The lineup's expanding all the time, and I'm super excited. So we'll be in Detroit at Go Comedy uh, Improv Theater on October 24th, and Kansas City's October 9th at the Improv. I can't believe, Linda, we're playing the Improv in Orlando and Kansas City. Well, that's so cool. And you made it, kid. <laughs> that's awesome. 
<laughs> I think it's That's 10 awesome. bucks. You get two <laughs> podcasts for the price of one. You also get to, you know, just get in this money geek culture that you and I, Linda, have been talking about and just have some fun. We're going to be playful about money for about 90 minutes. That is awesome. So for those of us who aren't there in person, we can find this on Stacking Benjamins later? You can. Is that right? Yes. Okay, perfect. We will look for it. You will miss the visual humor, but we are going to have it in the feed later. I love that. Well, Joe, thank you so much. This was awesome to have you and good luck to you in this amazing tour you're doing. Well, thanks. Thanks for helping me promote it. And uh, let's go stack some Benjamins. And recently, my new book was released, You're Already a Wealth Heiress, Now Think and Act Like One, Six Practical Steps to Make It a Reality Now. This book is getting rave reviews from people, both men and women. It's available on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and bookstores. I'll leave a link in the show notes. If you haven't yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show, I'd love to hear from you. And let's connect on Instagram. Just go to instagram.com forward slash Linda P. Jones and get your wealth tips twice a day. That's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.